grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we continue our detailed look at Hebrews chapter 11, that great by faith chapter. And as we continue our tour of God's hall of faith, our stop today is in Genesis chapter 4, the story of Abel. We read it a little bit earlier. Isn't it interesting that the story of Abel takes up only seven verses in the book of Genesis, and yet the very first portrait hung in God's hall of faith is the portrait of Abel. As we take a look at this story today, we'll see what God is teaching us through the example of Abel and how it is that we stand before God holy and righteous by faith. Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 together. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. These are the words that we will look at today from Hebrews chapter 11. Have you heard this saying, I'm guessing you have, that actions speak louder than words? It's hard to dispute that, isn't it? I'm guessing that you might be able to think about a time in your life where someone said one thing to you and their actions showed a completely different side, a completely different approach than the words that they confessed. And certainly actions are important. But which is greater? The words that come out of our mouths, our confession, or what we do to back that confession up? Wouldn't the Bible say that both are important? That we certainly want to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that we have faith in our Savior, but then we strive as God's people to allow our actions, our behavior, to match up with the confession that we have. That was able. That's the lesson that we can learn from Abel today. It was a faith that made him righteous before God. But his actions, his offerings, backed up that faith. Today, as we take a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, we'll do so under this theme, the offering of Abel. We'll take a look at his sacrifice. We'll think about our sacrifices. And then we'll be reminded of the greatest sacrifice of all, Jesus' sacrifice for us. Yes, the first portrait. The first portrait hung in God's hall of faith is the portrait of Abel. Maybe you've thought to yourself, well, why aren't there portraits of either Adam or Eve in the hall of faith, in this faith chapter, Hebrews 11? The author doesn't tell us, and the Bible doesn't tell us either. It's safe to conclude that it wasn't because Adam and Eve didn't have faith. But in the account of Genesis chapter 4, God specifically looks on, with favor on Abel and his offering. Perhaps that's why the writer to the Hebrews chooses him to kick off this chapter with the portraits of the Old Testament believers. You maybe heard as we read through it in Genesis chapter 4 that there are two sons that are given to Adam and Eve as gifts during that chapter. Cain, the firstborn, and then Abel. As those boys grew up, Cain worked the soil. He was a farmer. And Abel took care of sheep. He was a shepherd. How they knew that they were supposed to bear, bring offerings, the Bible doesn't tell us. Were they taught by Adam and Eve? Did God teach them to bring portions of the blessings that they had and return them to God? Again, we don't know. 
But the boys understood that that was something they were supposed to do. And as they brought their offerings, Cain brought fruits from the soil. But Genesis tells us that Abel, that Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And then those words. God looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. The writer to the Hebrews simply says it this way. Abel's offering was better than Cain's. He doesn't really tell us how it was better. And the Greek word that is listed there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, plion, means to be greater, better, superior. And it can mean either in quantity or quality. From the context, we have to conclude that this is about quality rather than quantity. It wasn't about how much Abel brought. You see, God's favor with Abel and his displeasure with Cain wasn't about, was not about what they brought as an offering. It was about why they brought it. Human beings look at outward appearances, amounts, but God looks at the heart. And as God looked into the heart of Abel, what he saw there was a trust, that Abel was in tune to a greater sacrifice that was still coming. Abraham was, Abel was looking ahead to the sacrifice of Jesus. His heart was right with God by faith. That's what God commends Abel for. He commends Abel for his faith. And twice, in speaking about commending him and speaking again about how well, speaking God speaking well of those offerings of Abel, the writer to the Hebrews uses the same Greek root, the Greek word that means witness. We have translated that into English as the word martyr. Do you remember what a martyr does? A martyr is someone who witnesses to their faith by being willing to give up their very life. The testimony that Abel's offerings gave to his faith is exactly why God looked with favor on his offerings. And really, Abel became a martyr, didn't he? It's what he became at the jealous and angry hands of his brother Cain, who murdered him. John, in his first epistle that we read earlier, speaks about this difference between Cain's evil and Abel's righteousness, all stemming from the love that Abel had for the coming Savior. He wrote, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. I bet you've heard the phrase, dead men tell no tales. Yes, a few years ago, it was a subtitle of a Disney Pirates of the Caribbean installment. And it is part of the lore of pirate code, dead men tell no tales. And we get it, don't we? If someone is no longer alive, then they can't testify against someone else. Maybe that's what Cain was thinking when his jealousy and anger got the better of him and he murdered his brother. Maybe he was simply thinking that Abel would no longer be able to bear witness against him by his superior offerings. Isn't it interesting how the writer to the Hebrews addresses that? By faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. 
The faith of Abel speaks on, we read it every time we read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. And that faith of Abel lives on in you and in me, in hearts that God has turned to him by faith in Jesus. Three times in that verse, chapter 11, verse 4, we read those two words, by faith. You see, that's exactly how God called Abel righteous, by faith. God called Abel righteous not by what he did, but by the faith that God had given him to believe in his promises. His offerings, his sacrifices, they reflected that faith that was in the heart of Abel. Yes, you see, Abel knew that something better was coming. He was in tune to God's promise that the seed of the woman was going to crush Satan's head. He was in tune to a greater sacrifice that was still to come. And his heart was right with God by faith. Dear friends, take comfort. Take comfort in the fact that our hearts are right with God by faith too. And yet today, as we think of this story of Cain and Abel, as we think of, of Abel's faith and how it spilled over into his actions, maybe it's not a bad time for us to check our own attitudes. How are you doing in the attitude department? Maybe it's a good time for a spiritual EKG to see what our hearts are all about, what's going on in those spiritual hearts that God has given us. I don't know about you, but it's been tough not being together for worship in this place. And maybe sometimes it feels like it's just not the same. And so maybe worship has become a little bit going through the motions. It's easy for that to happen at any time, isn't it? Show up one hour a week on Sunday, give lip service as we sing the hymns and pray the prayers and listen to God's word. But then go through the motions of living a life as a Christian in the rest of our week. It's a great temptation of Satan. That church is for Sundays, and it doesn't matter the rest of the week. It's easy for us to become lukewarm in our faith, to forget about the sacrifice of Christ, and to be moved by what Jesus has done. Jesus actually gave that warning to some Pharisees, and it's a warning for us too as he quotes this prophecy from Isaiah. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. What Jesus wants, what God wants from you and me, is our hearts. The rest of it he knows will fall into place if we have hearts that are tuned in to him, trusting in the sacrifice that Jesus has made. Yes, we know that the temptation to be lukewarm in our faith has tripped us up more often than we care to admit. But that's the whole reason Jesus came to this world. It's the whole reason God sent his only son to be born of a woman and born under law, to redeem those under law. That's Jesus, our Savior. Jesus is the Savior from sin that we need. He's the one that took our place, who, who always honored God, who always put others first, who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That Savior Jesus is not just our Savior, he's our Lord too. And what God wants is for us to tune in, tune in to what Jesus has done for us. If you feel your faith slipping, if you feel that you are a little lukewarm or ho-hum in your faith, 
hear about God's love for you again and again. Go back to the sacrifice that Jesus made. See the incredible love of your heavenly Father and your Savior Jesus to give up his very life for you. You see, when we're plugged in, when we're tuned in to God's sacrifice for us in Jesus, that's when our testimony will spill out into our lives. That's when we'll give witness to that faith by the things that we do. Yes, our lives of love will be reflections of the faith that God has already placed in us. No, it's not what makes us right before God what we do, but it's Christ's love that leads us to demonstrate what we have, our faith in Jesus, to save us by what we do. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote it this way, Christ's love compels us, for we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised to life. Yes, you are at peace with God because God has called you righteous. By the blood of Jesus, the robe of righteousness that covers you, you are holy and blameless. And God strengthens us by that same faith to reflect those blessings, the blessings of forgiveness and eternal life as we live lives for him. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 3 summarized so well how we can stand before God holy and blameless by faith in Jesus and the robe of righteousness that covers us. He wrote, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Some takeaways from the story of Abel today in God's hall of faith. Number one, God declares us righteous and accepts us by faith in the exact same way he accepted Abel. It is the faith that God has given us to trust in the promises that he has made, the sacrifice that he made through Jesus that makes us right before him. The robes of Christ's righteousness means God sees you and me as holy. Number two, our offerings reflect a trust in a greater sacrifice, Jesus' death for us. When we say to God, take my life and let it be consecrated to you, take my time, take my talents, take my treasures, those are just a small token of the appreciation that we have for the sacrifice that Jesus has made. Finally, number three, we give testimony to our faith by the lives of love we live. Love, Jesus would say, is the fulfillment of the law. Love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That will be the testimony that we have faith in the Savior and that we are heirs of eternal life. One last picture from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Maybe you've noticed as you've read through Scripture how often a lamb and a sacrifice of a lamb is a part of the Bible narrative. Think of it this way. Here we are in Genesis chapter 4, and Abel offers a lamb for himself, for one person. As we get a little further into the Old Testament, into Exodus chapter 12, we read about the Passover, and a lamb was sacrificed for a family. Each family was to sacrifice their own lamb at the Passover. And then we go a little bit deeper into the book of Leviticus, and we get to the Day of Atonement, where there was a sacrifice made not for one person or for a family, but for the entire nation of Israel. And then we get to the New Testament, and we hear John's testimony, John the Baptist, as he sees Jesus. Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin 
of the world. That lamb, Jesus, the lamb of God, was sacrificed for the sins of the entire world. And that means your sins and mine. What peace we can take from the sacrifice that Jesus has made. What joy fills our hearts to know that God has declared us holy in the blood of Jesus and that we are robed in his righteousness. And let's use that love that God has for us, that amazing sacrifice of Jesus, to live lives of love for God and for others. Knowing that just like Abel, we are commended before God and righteous by faith. Amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.